0: You're listening to episode 13 of Speaking with Deacon, rich in mercy. Speaking with Deacon is a production of the Perusia Podcast Network in partnership with Voice of Charity Australia and EWTN Asia Pacific. Join us as we discuss strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. This is Speaking with Deacon. Hello, and thanks for joining us once again for Speaking with Deacon. I'm Mark Griffin, and joining me once again, as he always does, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Deacon Harold, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Doing well, Mark. Great to see you, and great to be with you, and all the members of the Perusia family.
0: Great to have you back on, and great to have you as part of the the Perusia family. It's always good to chat with you. And today, we're going to be developing on a a podcast we record, I think it was episode eight, uh, on the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Um, So today we're actually going to be not not touching on reconciliation so much, but sort of delving further into the depths of of God's merciful love as we look at a bit of a case study. And this case study will be that of your own testimony, Deacon, of your relationship with your father and, and the mercy of God in both of your lives. Before we get into that testimony and that story, Why don't we just lay a bit of groundwork with a bit of terminology? Now, people will have heard uh, and a lot of people will know um, the the devotion to divine mercy. But can you just give us a brief explanation on what is meant by the term divine mercy and where St. Gustina fits into the the picture?
1: Yeah, sure. So divine mercy, we see see that term. uh, Well, not the term divine mercy, but rich in mercy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Which we see that in the Psalms. And was also, uh, John Paul II named one of his encyclical letters, Dives and "Misericordia," Rich in Mercy. So divine mercy is God the Father's merciful love. That's really the bottom line. It's God the Father's merciful love. It is God's loving response to overcoming evil and suffering. So divine mercy becomes visible in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, By his words, his actions, his death and resurrection, we we see a living witness and example of God's merciful love. And so we, in turn, are to become witnesses of mercy to others. In the way that God's merciful love has worked through us in Jesus, we are to become vehicles of mercy in the lives of others. So let me give you um, a concrete example. Um, So when we those who seek and find mercy in Jesus are therefore experiencing God's own mercy and love. Okay. So how does that work with us? Um, you know, Jesus, we see ate meals and hung out with people that were often ostracized by society. Right. So tax collectors, mm-hmm. prostitutes, people like us, or obviously we see the problem with prostitution, but tax collectors were collecting taxes for the Romans and taking part of that tax for themselves. So the Romans were the enemy. So they, they, uh, these were Jews who were in, like Matthew, right? Was the tax, the, the, the um, apostle Matthew collected taxes and then gave those taxes to the enemy of the Jewish people. And then kept, and then it's kind of, I'm not, I'm not saying Matthew did this, but uh, many of the tax collectors skim some of those uh, they, they collected extra tax so they gave to uh, the the Romans their tax, and they kept some of it for themselves. So they were considered very dishonest. They were very much looked down uh, by the by the uh, by the entire Jewish uh, community. And so, but these are the people, uh, Gentiles also, non Jews. These are people Jesus hung out with. These are people he ate with, he broke bread with, he spent time with. Now, by doing that, did Jesus endorse their behavior? Because he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Did Jesus say, you know what? I like the fact that you're skimming off the top. I like the fact that you're exploiting your own people. How about the prostitutes? How about the person caught in adultery? Yeah, you know what? Just keep doing what you're doing. You'll be fine. You know, it's, it's your body, your choice. You know what? No, because he hung out with people like that did not mean that he endorsed their behavior. He was being a witness and example of God's merciful love that even someone like you who may be rejected by society, God still loves you. You still have value. You still have worth. You are still created in the image and likeness of God. And see, and and sometimes, you know, I don't know how to say this. What I, I, I even hate using the term, you know, Conser- uh, conservative ultra conservative catholics or something i don't even, I don't even I hate, hate using that term it's but, well but catholics who yeah but catholics who think <clears throat> wow deacon harold man why is he hanging out with that person why is he talking with that person that person's you know same-sex attracted that person is uh has you know gender identity issues and stuff. why is he talking to them That's what Jesus would do because because I'm uh, talking with them, because I'm sharing my faith and sharing my life experience. That doesn't mean I endorse what they're doing or encourage it at all, right? I'm just showing them that, yes, you have value. Yes, you have worth. When I was in law enforcement, Mark, if there was an assault against someone that was same-sex attracted or someone who had gender confusion or something, I would defend that person. You see what I'm saying? I, yeah. oh, how about this? On the plane, <clears throat> not too long ago, there was a guy sitting next to me, and a guy across the aisle uh, from me, and he asked me if he could switch seats so he could sit next to his husband. Okay, yeah. now what I said, oh, I'm not going to do that because I, you know, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman, and what you guys doing is immoral. And yeah, that's true. But what did i do i got up and i switched seats with the guy now by doing that did i and i was wearing my crucifix right <laughs> you know I, I was wearing my so so does that mean like i endorse what that lifestyle choice decision absolutely not absolutely not but that doesn't mean i have to be a jerk there i mm. can still be nice right yeah you know um and and if they were to and if but they this didn't happen but if they were to continue to have a conversation with me i would gladly share my faith in Jesus Christ with them. Gladly share why God ordained man and woman in marriage. You know, I mean, I would gladly share my faith with them. You see what I'm saying? So, so what we want to try to do is create opportunities for God's love and the God's mercy to flow from us into the person that we encounter. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what we need to do.
0: Where did the popular devotion of divine mercy through St. Faustina come from? And how does that play out in our lives now? So this is the other aspect of it, the actual devotion that that we've we've come to know.
1: So um, St. Faustina (coughs) was a Polish sister, Polish nun, who received private revelations from Jesus. Jesus visited her. And he gave her messages of love and mercy, which she wrote down and recorded in her her famous book, of course, on divine mercy. Um, Now, for many, many years, uh, her writings were banned by the church. Okay. Wait a minute. Who's this nun? She's having what? Jesus is visiting her? He's giving her these messages about what divine mercy? What is divine mercy? I mean, that was really nothing that was really a thing in the church, right? Divine mercy. What is that? It wasn't until John Paul II, who was the, the, the Pope of mercy, right. As he's called, uh, he was the one who, uh, really saw that there was nothing wrong with anything that, yes, it's private revelation. We're not required to believe it, but there was nothing in that was against the teachings of the church. And, um, uh, and just like, you know, uh, 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 Lords and Fatima and Guadalupe. Those are all, you know, uh, uh, revelations of Mary. Right. And again, we're not required to believe those. Right. But, but the church says, yes, this did, a- this did actually happen. Um, uh, and the same thing with the, with, uh, St. Faustina visiting, uh, Jesus visiting St. Faustina. So those messages that were given to this amazing saint were written down. And John Paul too was the one who, uh, 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 authorized it, the, the uh, this devotion to be carried forward. This mm-hmm. the publication of her materials of her diary, and then of the devotions that came forth from that diary and from the revelations of of Jesus Christ to Faustina, and that's where we get the Chapel of Divine Mercy and all the beautiful Divine Mercy devotions. Really, John Paul too, who really made that come alive during his pontificate.
0: I actually brought this with me for those watching the video. That's the the image of Divine Mercy that that um, that Saint Faustina commissioned um to be to be painted so that yes. was under so, instruction as well she was instructed to to do that or is yes. that something that yes yeah.
1: yes she was instructed by the lord to do that and so the the first couple pictures in fact i i got a chance to go to poland last year and actually uh visit the monastery that saint faustine oh, right. was yeah. in and and it got a chance to see a uh, uh the the first version of that photo uh, i mean of the first version of that painting it yes. wasn't quite right Mm-hmm. So he said, "No, that's not quite right." And so they had to re- retweak it. So you can see the different versions of it uh, yes. when, when you when you go there. Uh, it was it was uh, it was amazing to to be in, and to pray the chapel of Divine Mercy in the church of Divine Mercy, where her body is, because uh, her body's just, is, is the tomb is inside the church. I mean, it was it was incredible. Um, and I love the divine mercy devotion. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I hope after this podcast that many other people have a strong devotion when they hear practically how God's mercy works uh, in very difficult situations.
0: Absolutely. Now, our Lord from the cross gave us his mother to be our mother as well. How can we find our Lord's mercy through our lady? And then maybe this can lead into your own testimony, because I know that Our Lady plays a role a little bit in your testimony. So so let's start from there. And and how can we find our Lord's mercy through Our Lady?
1: Yeah, you know, the thing about Mary, right? Everything that Mary does points us and leads us to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Her last words in scripture at the wedding feast of Cana, do whatever he tells you right so that that's her whole that's her whole mission now uh uh, for for us when she appears she always wants to bring people into deeper love and intimacy of her son so of course and look moms i mean you know you you hear soldiers in battle when they're hurt they, they cry out for their mothers right i remember once i was in uh south africa and um, for some reason, I, I don't know if it was the traveling or, or low salt content. I got these incredibly painful cramps, you know, like in my legs and in my arms. It was like It was just the most, one of the most painful things I ever experienced. I just cried out to my mom who was deceased, right? I, I just cried out, mom, you know, and and soon the pain went away. You know, <laughs> So I don't know if my mother had deceived me for me or what, but we, we all, when we, we want love, we want that kind of um, tender, merciful love we always go to our mothers, right? A mother's hug is so different from a father's hug, right? I mean, they're both beautiful, but -hmm. when you got that mother's hug, you just feel that with a father's hug, you feel safe, you feel strong, you feel secure, right? You feel like, yes, yeah, you feel confident. And with a mom, you feel that emotional kind Mm -hmm. of connection, you feel that that deeper intimacy, you know? And and that's that's like the merciful love that, that the Blessed Virgin Mary exudes as, because remember, we're brothers and sisters of Christ, that means that spiritually Mary's our mother as well. Right. So, so Mary wants to share that love and mercy with all of us at the foot of the cross. um, You know, she was there. I mean, Christ's blood probably dripped on her. Um, So, so she was a witness of the power of God's merciful love at the foot of the cross. And so when we're at the cross in our lives, right. And what did Jesus do? He looked down and he saw his mother and, there's something that of course is not recorded in the scripture, but there's something in me that that says you know I think Jesus took solace in the fact that his mother was there you know um obviously it, 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 I mean, was extremely painful for him to watch her suffer to you know knowing that she was going through intense pain but if you look in psalm twenty two right there's something you know psalm twenty two to me is amazing it's a messianic psalm of fulfillment And this is the one that Jesus prayed from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, this was, it also says they tear holes in my hands and my feet and lay me in the dust of death. I can count every one of my bones. These people stare at me and gloat. They threw dice for my clothes, right? That was 700 years before Jesus was even born. Mm -hmm. So Psalm 22 talks about, but look what it says. Look what it says here in verse 10. Yes, it was you who took me from the womb entrusted me to my mother's breast to you i was committed from birth from my mother's womb you have been my god now jesus praying this psalm on the cross right scripture records that clearly and imagine when he got to this part he's looking down and seeing his mother you see so so mary is a beautiful witness and example for us of how we can be examples of God's love and mercy in the lives of others. So she was there to endure that pain and suffering, but yet she she, com- she is comfort and solace to all of her other sons and daughters, which are all of us. So she could be a beautiful example of God's mercy.
0: And she also, even at the wedding feast at Cana, um, and, and she went to Jesus and she said, son, they have no wine. And And he said, woman, what is this between you and me? It's not that he was refusing her intercession on behalf of, of the, the wedding party here, trying to help them out. She took their need to him. Um, it was more like he was like, are you, are you sure you're, you're ready for me to do this? This is going to mean that I now start my <laughs> public ministry if I do this. And he was sort of just running it by her once more. Are you sure that's what you want me to do? And and, and then, you know, she, she must have had this little smirk on her face when she said, do whatever he tells you. She she knew um, what was going to happen. And, and But he did what she requested of him. And we can have that same trust that whatever she requests of Jesus on our behalf, he will do what's best for us. And if that request is what's best for us, he will do that. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And remember when he says woman there, right? I mean, it's not disrespectful. Woman, because you would never call your mother woman, right? But I think, (laughs) I think what was happening was that, The Mary asked him to do something supernatural, so he was referring to her by her supernatural name, woman, in Revelation chapter twelve, right? The woman with the uh, crown of twelve stars around her head, the Mm -hmm. moon under her feet, clothed with the I mean, you know, uh, clothed with the sun. That woman, right? The woman of Revelation is is our blessed mother, right? And I I think uh, Jesus called her woman because he referred to her by her supernatural name. Right mm-hmm. um, the same woman from Genesis chapter three fifteen that were crushed the head of satan right that so so that 's the, the spiritual sense in which he's you know so he 's not dissing her, you know he 's yeah. not questioning why'd you why'd you ask me that you know that 's not it at all uh, I think you 're right, I think um he was asking her to do something uh, of a supernatural nature, and he was just double you sure you want me to do this like like yeah. you said it's beautiful
0: he was acknowledging her role in all of this by calling her by her supernatural name. Whilst she was acknowledging his role is now about to really ramp up. He's taking the next step into public ministry. Yeah. So it's a beautiful passage that one, the, the wedding feast at Cana. Um it so is. yeah, as as I was saying, I I've heard you give your testimony about your, your relationship with your father and, and and the mercy that God's shown on on the both of you through that relationship and the struggles you've been through and our lady played a part. So why don't we jump in to a bit of this testimony? Now, why don't you give us a bit of a background and um where where this all starts give us a bit of a a background on your father and then your relationship with him
1: yeah so i'll do the the short version right because sure. so, yeah. it's because i have an entire talk where i yes. go in this in the much more detail but sure. but you know uh so we're from uh my family's from barbados which is a, a an island in the west indies in the lower west indies in the, uh, a chain of islands called the lesser antilles which is not too far off the coast of Venezuela in South America. So that's where I was born. Uh, My father was a very successful singer, songwriter, and musical performer. Um, Very talented singer and and guitar player. He owned two very successful nightclubs. Uh, He also had some hit songs. And he was a a, a performing musician his entire life. Um, and, And so my mother was a nurse. And my mother did not like the the lifestyle that my father was living, although, you know, we were doing well financially. But, you know, when you he lived, he lived like a very successful musician. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, all the things you hear about musicians. Yeah, that was my dad. OK, so my mom left Barbados without my dad and came to the United States. And then eventually my dad did uh, join us. But we we quickly learned that my dad loved three things. Uh, womenizing, um, alcohol, and cigarettes. Right. So my father had has fifteen other children from mm. affairs with other women that happened before, during, and after uh, his marriage uh, to my mom. Uh, my father never went to church. He was not baptized. Um, the only time I, 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 I well, this the first time I ever saw my father in church was uh in 2009 <laughs> that's the first time i ever saw my father but growing up never went to church the only time i ever heard him use god's name was as a curse mm. um you know and he drank you know and if you've ever been in a household where alcohol is an issue you know um there's some very hurtful very painful some very embarrassing things that happen when you live in a house like that and um you know and, I, and my parents eventually got divorced You know, and everything was fine with my dad until I joined the Benedictines. And when I was accepted into the monastic community, I went to share the news with my dad and he was very angry. And that incident when I went to see him is what really severed our relationship for 18 years. Um, I left his apartment and I didn't speak to him for the next 18 years. I I considered him dead to me at that point. In fact, Uh I was I was so angry. And and so bitter that I told my kids he was dead. So when my my uh older kids started going to great started going to uh school, they you know they had grandparents stay at school. And so mm-hmm. when they asked me about where's where's our grandfather, I told them he was dead. And that's how much I hated my, my father. So fast forward now, my first um series starts to ap- appear on EWTM, which is Behold the Man, right? the, the series for men. It starts to air internationally. Someone from my home country, Barbados, sees me on television, informs my father. Now, my father never he doesn't go to church and it doesn't obviously doesn't watch EWTN or anything like that. But he someone called him, heard it was me. So he flips on the channel. He catches the le- the last 10 minutes of the program. So he wants to watch again the next week. But he got the time wrong. And so instead of watching me, he's watching Mother Angelica. Right. <laughs> So, so my father, remember, was a musician. He didn't know how this worked. He said, Who's this lady? Where's my son? And he thought, Oh, she must be the opening act. Right? <laughs> She's gonna come out and talk for a while, and then my son's gonna come out. You know, and so when I when I never made an appearance, but you know, my father continued to watch the entire episode of Mother Angelica. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I and I did I didn't I didn't know any of this. So fast forward a year later, my father calls me out of the blue. I had not talked to him for 18 years. He calls me out of the blue and um tells me about his relationship with Jesus. And I hung up the phone. I said, You're and I said, This man's a liar. He spent his whole life lying to us. And now all of a sudden I'm just supposed to believe he found Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus. I know Jesus. Right? I'm the one in on EWTN. All that man knows how to do is destroy our family. Right? So in God's providence, uh I I I uh was asked to speak in my home state of New Jersey, uh, which was the first time I ever spoke as a deacon in my home state. I went back, and the parish that I spoke at was about a mile, uh, or a little, um, uh, a little less than a kilometer from, or a little more than a kilometer from my, from my father's apartment. And so I took that as a sign. And so I met with my dad, and um, I didn't recognize him at first because he had had cancer and he had lost a ton of weight. Uh, a a lot of body weight. And, um, uh, you know, and so I was a little shocked. And then I wanted to hear, you know, I'm sorry, right. I'm sorry, son, for the hell I put you and your mother and your siblings through for all those years. I'm sorry. I couldn't come to your graduation from high school because I was drunk. I'm sorry. I couldn't come to see you participate in sports in high school because I was too busy sleeping around with other women. Right. I I, I wanted to hear, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But all he did was kept talking about what his life was like now after he encountered Christ. And so I came back home and my mother was living with us at the time. And she says, is it true, son? Is it true? And I said, mommy, you can't fake what I saw, you know? And so fast forward about a, a little, about a year later, my father wants to come and visit uh, us in Oregon. He's never met my wife or kids before. And so I knew I had a problem because I told the kids he was dead. Right. So, sure. <laughs> so I went, I went to my, I went to my wife and I said, why do I get out of this? And she goes, well, Jesus did raise the dead, didn't he? Right. And so I said, Oh, okay. So I gathered the kids around. Guess what? It's a miracle. You're going to meet your grandfather. And obviously when they're that young, you know, you can, you can get away with that. right? So my father came out, he met my family. We had an amazing weekend. He met father Donald Calloway, which was an amazing experience for my dad to hear father Calloway's conversion story from father Calloway himself and be present in the room. It was just, it was a powerful experience for my dad. Like, wait a minute. If, if that, a guy like that could become a priest, it gave my father hope, you know? and yep. he also reconciled with my mom that weekend too. My mother was living with us but during the time that my dad was there my mom had had a uh, a bout of congestive heart failure so she was um living in a in a assisted care community a facility and so I brought my father there and he and he, I, I I was not in the room when they talked um but but I I all, and I don't know what they talked about. I have no to this very day I have no idea what they talked about. But I do know that they reconciled that night. Cause my mom would later tell me that that's what happened, that they reconciled, you know, they never, they never got back together or anything like that, you know, after the divorce, but, but um, that was an answer to prayer for my mother. You know, that, that was truly like, literally an answer to prayer for my mom to mm-hmm. reconcile my dad before she died. So God allowed that amazing grace to happen. Um, and so when, when I, when I talked to my dad about what happened, How did he go from, well, I don't know if he, if he would say it like this, but hating God, at least that's what I thought, to to all of a sudden, like, being in fire, he goes, so he he said it was um, the Blessed Mother and Divine Mercy. So, this was a man who destroyed our family through drinking and through, um, you know, using women. And now he said, "What led to his change? It's a massive change, massive conversion, was the Blessed Mother and Divine Mercy." He's not even baptized. How did he even know what those things were through EWTN, right? Through first Mother Angelica. Well, we're first watching my series and Mother Angelica, and then he kept watching the EWTN, and he came to understand the power of God's love, you know. And, and but 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 that's just one level, right? Um he needed to experience God's love and mercy at a whole different level. And that came through Mark reconciliation. Right. And mm-hmm. and those are the difficult steps that we all have to make because we, we've all, um, you know, uh, ha- have dealt with someone that hurt us. Right. Um, the The memories of the hurts that have happened to us in the past still haunt many of us to this day. Um, we, we're still oppressed by the the feelings and the emotions of of that event that happened to us, and the fact is, you know, we can't find the peace that God wants to give us. Right? Jesus says in John chapter fourteen, um, "Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you." But the 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 thing is, we can never find that peace unless we first. Um, open our hearts to receive God's divine mercy into our own lives so we become vehicles of mercy to others. And so we mm-hmm. have, you know, there might be a, a abuse uh, of, of a husband or or wife, a spousal abuse, infidelity, alcohol and drugs, you know, rape, um, bullying, a suicide attempt, being estranged from your children who are not practicing their faith, anger, depression. There are all kinds of things that hold us back from really receiving the depth of God's love and mercy, not because God doesn't want to give it to us, but we're, 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 we're so filled with things that are separate that, that, that God's love, he's not going to force us to love him. We have to open our hearts to receive. And so the the steps that I want to do next, Mark, is just kind of walk people through the, the steps that I, that I did in my own life to reconcile with my dad and, and to really find a very deep level of healing in, in God's mercy.
0: Can I just add one thing in here before you go on to that? Um, Sure. At at this point, you had obviously written your father off as a hopeless case, told the kids he was dead. So whilst he, he needed healing and forgiveness for his life, at this point, you're in a state now where you started playing God. You're, you're hopeless. You, you're nothing to me. You're dead, and and that's not a role that we can play in our lives. And so this has to go both ways now, doesn't it? This reconciliation isn't just one apologizing to the other. This is going to have to go both ways. So as as we go through, I, th- I think we need to make sure that this is this is now a two way issue that needs to be to be um, nutted out, isn't it?
1: Oh, a- absolutely. You know, and and people think, wait a minute, you're Deacon Harold, and you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still a human being, you know. I still have oh. feelings and emotion, and especially, you know, when when you're young, and you know you're witnessing things between your parents, and you're experiencing things, you know, uh, your dad not not being there, and and, and mm. you know it does something to you, you know, it does yeah. something it, to you. It, 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 real it, it does even doesn't. It, uh, absolutely, it's a wound. And, and and even though I was ordained and become deacon, how that that wound was still there, you know that mm. that healing had not come. You know, so I was being a vehicle of mercy in the lives of other people that would come to me for marriage counseling, or they're, they're they're having issues with pornography, or whatever the issue is. You know, I was there, but I was not there for my dad. You know, and it mm-hmm. took, um, and I think you know God had me make that series for men, that television series for my dad. You know, mm-hmm. that was really uh, what 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 opened the door to to mercy. So it's 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 me, in a sense, um being a vehicle of mercy to my dad, which would, uh, which would unfold in a much deeper way as we as we go through these, as we go through these four steps.
0: Yeah, and, and, and as we lead into that, if you think about the line from the prayer, the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then also in Matthew, uh, I think it's chapter 18, I think. Um, hang on, I've got a Yeah, chapter 18. I, I was going to mention this before, but this sort of fits in here well now. Peter asked Jesus, how many times we must forgive mm. and, and, you know, the back and forth and it ends up 70 times seven. And then he goes on to tell the, the story of the unforgiving servant who he, he, his, his master, he owed an amount to his master and, and he was forgiven that debt. But then he turned around and, and one of his servants owed to him and he wouldn't forgive that debt. And so this is an example of no, no, we, even though we have someone who's owing something to us, just remember we owe to others and they can show mercy to us we have to then turn around and show that mercy as well it's it's not something we can take and just hang on to we have to take and then share and so as we as we go through this next part i suppose we're going to demonstrate those two particular examples um through through the next phase yeah. so so you so we've identified yeah. that your father's found the lord um, you're, you're having a hard time actually accepting that he's found it, but you're acknowledging, look, you can't fake this. So so how did you begin this process of of forgiveness between each other and, and reconciliation there?
1: Now, I think the verses you point out actually lead very well into this, Mark, because, you know, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us, means that God will only forgive us to the extent that we're willing to forgive others. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we often don't stop to think about that. We pray to our Father so fast and we're often not thinking about it, what we're saying. But if we stop and really reflect on what God is saying to us, that he will only forgive us to the extent that we are willing to forgive others. That's and again, Jesus models this powerful witness of God's mercy on the cross. He was forgiving the people that were killing him imagine someone's torturing you and you're forgiving them as they're torturing you. Right. And and look at St. Stephen, right. The deacon and the proto martyr, the first martyr in in the church and actually apostles stoned to death, asking God to forgive them for what they were doing that. Woo. That's hard, but, but that's exactly what God has asked us to do. And then 70 times seven, you know, uh, it didn't mean 490 times by the way it wasn't like a an actual mathematical formula jesus was using a rabbinical teaching technique called hyperbole that's where you exaggerate a point in order to make a point so mm-hmm. so he goes as many as seven times right because you know in fact peter thought he was pushing the envelope there because the <laughs> jewish practice was to forgive three times right because if you look in the old testament it says that you forgive as many times as God forgives, and what does it say in the Old Testament? God, you are to forgive and forgive and forgive, three times, three times. So when that's why when Peter said as as many as seven I mean he was he was like okay, three times is what the Bible, even more than that, and Jesus says seventy times. In other words, an infinite uh, infinite amount, you are to forgive. Mm-hmm. Woo! But again, that's really hard. Why? Because we're enslaved to the emotions and the feelings and the anger that's associated with the hurt, and sometimes a, a serious hurt from the past. When someone has hurt us, we're resentful, we're angry, we're bitter, you know? And it's, and it's And especially if there's no reconciliation, it's very hard, very hard to get past that. So, so the, the the four phases, you know, and, and these things I'm I'm going to mention here are very difficult, okay. Um, but but in a sense, in a sense, spiritual, these are kind of the last four steps that Jesus took before he mounted the cross, right? So these are the steps of the, the the final steps of divine mercy. So one of them, the first one, is to be aware and to acknowledge that something has happened to you from the past. The worst thing that we could ever do is to push down and oppress a memory of what happened, or or the feeling. If if I don't think about it, if did it did it never really happened, you know, no, you know, one of the things we can't do is is, is fool ourselves. You know, uh, we have to acknowledge that pain. Why? Because we're giving by feeling and experiencing experiencing that pain and that hurt. We're, we're allowing God's mercy and healing to come in and, and, and to bring peace to us, but we have mm-hmm. to bring it up. You know, we have to let it come to the surface, you know? Um, and, and no, and so if you have to cry, then cry. If you have to scream, then scream, but don't push it down because it could come back to bite you. It can come mm-hmm. back. And, and, and in the, in the longer talk, I tell the story of a of a man that this happened to who, who was not a parishioner. He came to the parish upset because he said his wife was kicking him out of the house. And what happened was his wife had suppressed a memory of an abuse that happened to her. And when she came home from work and saw the father playing with the daughter, you know, just innocently playing with his daughter, she transferred the abuse that happened to her onto her husband. See? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it was, it's a very sad and tragic thing. I mean, he, you know, he he went to court. He got custody taken away, and you know, and and uh, if you just would have saw the raw emotion of this man, you know, um, you know, he he clearly didn't was not did what he was accused of by his wife, but I did confirm with her parents that she was actually abused and they didn't deal with it. So now yeah. it, it came up later in in her because you know he said up until that time he said they had a normal. Uh, uh, conjugal intimacy you know they had no problems with it with their with their uh, other child you know it was just this one incident that brought up a memory that she transferred Mm. and and so we we can't do if something happened to us we have to acknowledge it Um, we have to uh, even if we don't share it we just have to bring it up and acknowledge it if we have to scream or cry whatever we have to do that's really important so God can begin the process of healing is by being honest. That's like a sacrament confession. If you normally have a sin that you are confess it, you don't confess it, you're not forgiven. Oh, people realize that. Now, if you honestly, you walk out of confession, oh, I forgot that one. Oh, man, that's an honest mistake. And we're all human beings, we all make mistakes. But if you know there's a sin you want to, I just don't want to, I don't want to say it. I want to, then you're not forgiven. One of the key things to the forgiveness of sin is the acknowledgement of the sin. We we see this in in John, the first letter of John chapter one, uh, right around verse 19 or so, that says that we have to confess our sin in order for the sin to be forgiven. In Leviticus chapter five, it says we have to confess the sin that we have committed. And so in this, in, in, in a similar way, if we want God's divine mercy to work in our lives, we have to acknowledge what happened to us, the hurt that happened to us in the past.
0: So that's number one is to acknowledge that there was something there that has to mm-hmm. be addressed. So that's number one, moving on. Yep. What's number two in this yep. this process? So,
1: so number two, we have to f- not be afraid to face the Goliath in our life. And in the longer talk, I go through the kind of story of David and Goliath and just, just very quickly, you know, all of Israel were afraid of Goliath. Why? Because you look at him, he was, you know, uh, two uh uh two point nine seven meters tall right he weighed uh how much is that being kilos like a hundred and fifty kilos or something like i mean he was a huge dude, and everybody was afraid of him except for David hmm. now why did David confront Goliath because first of all Goliath was mocking the armies of of, of god right so he's he's in a sense mocking God and mocking God's works. And so mm-hmm. David took offense at to that and, and wanted to fight Goliath. And so what did he go armed with? He, he, he tried to put on Saul's armor, and that didn't work. And David said, I can't go out with these. I'm not used to them. So he went with him with a, 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 a five smooth stones from the brook and a sling. And he moved toward Goliath. So a sling and five smooth stones, right? A sling mm-hmm. and five Sound smooth like stones. I, else, I think, yeah. yeah, so I think if you look at biblical typology, um, in other words, how things in the Old Testament foreshadow and look forward to things in the New Testament, I think that David yeah. fought Goliath with a type of rosary, a sp- spiritual yeah. weapon. So the five stones represent the five wounds of Christ, or each of the five uh, joyful, sorrowful, luminous, and glorious mysteries of the rosary. So, And when he goes to confront Goliath, Goli- Goliath laughs at him. He goes, you think you can beat me? You know, uh, and, and, you know, I'm Goliath. And what about when we, when we confront our, the Goliaths in our lives with the weapons of God, right, mm-hmm. with the praying, the chapel, the divine mercy, with the rosary, with Eucharistic adoration, w- with novenas, right, with um, all the different things that, that we have, the arsenal that we have in the church to confront our Goliath. Goliath will not be able to stand. He's going to try to push back. You think you can defeat me with your rosaries and your chaplets and your prayers and your adoration I'm Goliath I'm the person who abused you. I'm the one who stole money from you I'm the one who uh who, who, who uh said some bad things for you at work and you got you you didn't get the promotion. I got it because I stepped on you in order to get it I'm the one who caused your kid to leave the church you know that how do and we we often we're so afraid. Of that God, we don't want to face that challenge, but that's what David did. Because he realized that God fights with and for him. That God is, is, is with him. What does he say? He goes, You come to me with sword and javelin and spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel. In Hebrew, I, I it goes, I come to you, Yah- Yahweh Sabaoth, right? The God of the, the God of armies, right? So So what do we say at every Mass? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord. So we we say the same thing at every Mass that that David says to Goliath. So we should not be afraid to face that Goliath, because just like David, we know that God is with us. uh, And God is fighting with us and for us by our side in the sacraments and in the life of the church.
0: I love that image of those five smooth stones, and and the, the rosary as spiritual weapons. I just think that's a really powerful thing for think for people to hang on to. That we we have similar capability. We 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 we're fighting for the Lord here. We have the spiritual weapons at our disposal. We just have to see it. Uh, so so step yeah. one, acknowledge that there's an issue. Step two, face our Goliath. Step three.
1: Yep, with the with the weapons of God exactly. And, the and then step God, three yep. is. Yep. And step three is general confession. Okay. Now, how is this different from regular confession? General confession is when you go into the confessional and you confess all of the sins you committed in your entire life. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, why would I want to do that? Because the sin is already forgiven. And that's true. So why would you confess it again if it's already been forgiven? Very simply this. Who is often the hardest person to forgive, Mark? Who's often the hardest person to forgive? Myself. Yourself, yourself. Your, right yeah. when you when you do something wrong or something the hardest the, or something is even done to you, the hardest person to forgive is yourself. So by going to that confessional, confessing all your sins, you'll realize like the prodigal son did when he realized and acknowledged his sin you know, he started making his way back to the father, right? And the best part, of, for me, the best part of that parable, when he was still a long way off, the father caught sight of him and the father ran toward his son. So when the son made that effort to go back to the father, it's like us entering into that confession general confession. You confess, uh, okay, I confess this sin. And you realize, wait a minute. I don't I don't do that sin nearly as much anymore. And now you're closer to God than where you thought. Then you realize wait a minute, that sin, I don't do that sin nearly as much as I used to. And you're even closer now, right? And the beautiful thing is when you start acknowledging God in that way and recognizing that wait a minute, your journey to God, you're actually closer than when you thought, God will rush to meet you with his grace, with his love, and with his divine mercy.
0: How is a general confession then different from just a simple examination of conscience where you can develop these oh look at this track that I've been taking and oh, I'm getting better you can do that in an examination of conscience so how is that different to a general confession and then what sort of grace is imparted on you in a general confession as opposed to a normal number and kind confession that you might do on a somewhat frequent basis
1: Yeah so the, the thing about the general confession is this um, yeah, you could do that and, and examine your conscience, but when you're actually saying the words, <laughs> right? You're actually it's coming out of your mouth. You hear yourself saying it. You're acknowledging it before the the priest, who's actually of Jesus, right? Jesus forgiven this sin through the priest, um, through through the power and authority he received from Jesus Christ himself in John chapter twenty. Um, so when you, it's one thing to think about it; it's another thing to acknowledge it. And Mm -hmm. as the power uh, of the forgiveness comes when you acknowledge that. sin, when you recognize, wait a minute, you come to that uh, that moment of catharsis where you realize that, wait a minute, you know, I slowly but surely over even a period of years, I have, as I matured uh, spiritually, Mm -hmm. as I I matured as a person, I have been cooperating more fully with the grace that I received in the sacrament. You know, I have been able to overcome some, adversity. I mean, but, but we get so caught up in all these things in life. We don't, we don't put it all together. So the, the general confession is a way to bring that all together, come to the realization that, wait a minute, you know, um, yes, I, I'm still a work in progress. We are all a work in progress till we actually get to heaven, right? We're a work, but, but guess what? I, I'm actually in a better place in a, in a different space. Than where I thought I was when I started my journey with God. You see? And so the grace that you receive in, in, in general confession is not any different than the grace that you receive in a regular number and kind confession. But if the priest is doing his job, he'll allow you to see that, okay, now that you've been doing this your whole life, don't forget the other part. The father's going to rush to meet you with his mm-hmm. grace So be ready for that, because God is always looking for opportunities to come into our lives and to transform us. And by acknowledging, you know, that general confession, again, we're creating more space in our hearts to receive even a deeper reception of God's merciful love in our lives.
0: So what you're saying is that in a situation where if we did something similar in an examination of conscience, we might still be tussling in our mind with Oh, have I really done that? Am I really that bad? But it's it's sort of a tussle. But as soon as it's spoken, it can't be unspoken. It's said, you've acknowledged it. Yes. It's on the table now. Yeah. Like yes. Yeah. See, one, Mark, one it's, thing-
1: it's the same thing, Mark. It's the same thing, Mark. Like, if 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 it's one thing I I'm gonna to talk to my wife about this, okay? It's another thing about running it in your head, what that conversation yep. is gonna be like. It's another mm. thing when you actually sit down and talk. Right, right? Because often <laughs> exactly. what's in your head yeah. Is not actually what comes, you see what I'm saying? So that's the yeah. power of the general confession because because it's also you're, you're, you're humbling yourself and allowing the Lord to work through you in that moment as well.
0: Now, obviously that's going to take a lot longer than normal confession. So that wouldn't be one that oh, you, yes. you sit in front of a queue of 40 people and go in for a general confession. That's one that you make an appointment for at a separate time.
1: Correct. Or if it's a reconciliation service, but there's three, four priests there, yeah at a reconciliation service that that'd be okay to do it during uh, something like that as well. But but again, don't wait for Advent or Lent for reconciliation service. You know, like you said, Mark, make an appointment, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and and to to see the priest and the priest will be happy to hear your confession.
0: So that, that's step three, make a general confession Mm -hmm. as opposed to normal, normal confession. So what's now step four in this four step process.
1: So this one's the hardest one out of all of them. Um, Asking the person that hurt you for forgiveness for how you felt toward them. So let let me be, let me be very clear. You're not saying you're not asking the the person for forgiveness for what they did to you. You're asking the person who hurt you for forgiveness for how you felt about them. So, So let me give you an example from my dad. Um, when, when when this moment happened with my, with my father, I was back in New Jersey. This was a several years later now. Um, and my father was sitting on the couch and I felt called by the Holy Spirit to kneel down at my father's feet. And I asked him to forgive me for hating him for 18 years. I asked my father to forgive me for telling his grandchildren that he was dead. You see? Now... You're saying, why would you do that? He was the one that you didn't do anything wrong. He was the one. That's not the point. That's not the point. And that beautiful divine mercy image that you held up earlier, Mark, that uh, that was um, manifested to Saint Faustina. You see the rays are coming out from the heart of Jesus, right? You see the picture there. The rays are coming out from the heart of Jesus, and radiating into the world, right? So when we're asking forgiveness for the per- for the person, we're being that that vehicle of divine mercy in the life of that other person. See, so so by asking them for forgiveness for how we felt toward them, we're actually uh, 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 allowing God's divine mercy to work in that other person's life. And then they become a vehicle of mercy to us. It's It's beautiful. So what happened was, when I said that to my dad, he was a little bit caught off guard because you would expect to hear, you know, um, you know, I, I'm waiting to hear forgiveness from him, but he did not expect to hear, I pop, I'm sorry for hating you for those years not reaching out to you. You know, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm sorry for telling your grandkids that you were dead and 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 depriving you of of. Fortunately, they were still really they were still small at the time, but depriving you of those of those first years of their lives. You know, I, I mean. That's really hard, Mark. Think about it. Think if you were abused, sexually abused when you were a kid, going to the abuser and telling that person, "I forgive you for how you felt, for how I, the hatred I had toward you." Whoa, whoa, or 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 to a spouse who beat you, right? Or to the kid who bullied you in school who used to uh make fun of you because you wore glasses or brace or because you were makes you racial jokes or you were a different race or you had a different accent. And you're asking that person for forgiveness for how you felt toward them. Mm-hmm. It was my father was in tears actually. And what happened did was your,
0: he did, did your father became actually a vehicle of mercy to me. Sorry, did he actually know did, that you'd told your children that he was dead? Or is this something that was news to him as you apologized for it?
1: Uh, no, I, I, I told him that when okay. <laughs> earlier that, that, the, um, when he when actually, when I picked him up from the airport, when he came to my house for the first time, I told him then that the kid, I told him the kids were dead. Kind of like, Hey pop, you know, uh, I, I kind of told the kids you were dead. Ha 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 kind of thing, you know, yeah. but, but here several, a couple of years later, I actually, actually meant it in Ooh. a much deeper, uh, sure. a much more real way here. As I, I can days, just yeah. imagine
0: that, that this stage where you are apologizing to someone for how you felt, that could be confronting for them as well. Cause they might not have ever known the extent of your hurt, the extent of your anger, the extent of whatever. So that could have quite a revealing moment for them. So yeah, it would, it would also be confronting for them. So you really are just opening the whole situation up at that point, just to allow everything to be, to be aired and, and worked through at that
1: point. Aren't you now? Now, let me let me make an important point here by doing that i'm not saying that i that i accept what happened i'm not saying that i liked the situation the divorce that i still remember things that happened in our house but i'm i'm no longer a slave to those memories right mm-hmm. what i've learned from that experience mark is that the things of the past help shape me and help shape all of us into the people that we are today. But your past does not determine or control your future. A deep, mm-hmm. intimate relation with Jesus Christ is what determines your future. Here, here's why those, that's the first thing. And here's the second thing, why those four steps are so important, especially that last one. Think about like this, Mark. You walk into your kitchen, because you have you have young kids, right, Mark? Yeah. Um, okay, like, I- do you have a... do? do you have eight, so do you have a is one of them like three or something like or do you have a son or a daughter and Two one or
0: three there's, there's one two who's two nearly three yes
1: <laughs> okay, okay, so say you walk into your kitchen mark and that child is holding a very large, very sharp knife by the blade in their hand, and you walk into the kitchen you see them holding it would you go up to that child what wait wait what are you doing and you would would you just snatch that knife out of their oh, hand? you cut them with no it. Yeah. you of course you cut them right what would you do instead oh honey what have you got there what have you got there can you show daddy what that is and they walk over to you and they and they no, they they show you the knife. look at that wow, that is really sharp. Hey, honey, can you open your hand and give that to me? Oh, can you open your hand? Can you show that? Can you open? And that? you know what the child would do? They'd look at you and they open your hand really slow and you reach in. Oh, thank you, honey. Oh, I love you. Thank you so much. And you just slowly reach in and take the danger away. Take the hurt away, right? Mm-hmm. That's what God wants to do for each and every one of us in our lives, Mark. God, these four steps, God is saying, what have you got there? What have you got? Oh, that's the anger and the hatred and the resentment and the pain and the anguish and the emotion and the hurt and the tears that you've held on to for all those years. God would say, what have you got there? Let me see. I love you. Let me take that from you. Let me reach into your heart, reach into your soul with my incredible divine mercy. And let me once and for all take that out of your life. That's why those four steps are important, especially that last one. Right? Mm -hmm. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Nothing sinful and unclean can enter heaven. Book of Revelation is very clear about that, not including anger or hatred or resentment. So the more that we work to rid ourselves of that in this life, the more prepared we will be for heaven. And it's God's incredible divine mercy that prepares us um, by being a a vehicle of, of mercy in the lives of others. So they, in turn, sometimes can even be vehicles of mercy to us as well
0: that's a beautiful image that you paint about just the father caring for the child. And, and our two-year-old is definitely the one that we needed to use as the example, because she is definitely the one <laughs> who I would find most, most likely in that situation as well. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, and I think that, that imagery of the father and the child really ties together. This whole discussion from today, it is mercy from the, coming from the perspective of care, it's not just, all right, yeah. I'll forgive you this once. You've done the wrong thing, but I'll let you go this time. Thank you for your apology now. Let's move forward. It's more than that. It's such a deep and intentional love and care of the father for his child that, that really underlies this whole concept of, of God's mercy. So, yeah, I just think that's a beautiful way to actually summarize everything we've spoken about today is just using that image. Uh, I really want to thank you, Deacon, for, for being so honest and so open in, in your testimony with your father. Uh, I think there's something in there for everybody because within our own personal relationships with family and friends, you always have various different um, disagreements or situations that arise. And it's just really powerful. I, I really genuinely think that one of the most powerful tools we have for sharing the faith is testimony because you're actually seeing yeah. this faith practically lived out in people's lives through the ups and the downs and so so thank you for today and and for being so open and honest with your testimony and and
1: uh, thank you and eternal rest to share, your I, father as well. Yes, thank you. He died in in yeah, 2016. And you know, um I did get permission from him though uh, uh to to share yeah. this uh testimony. So, I did ask him once, you know, I said, "Hey, Pop, you know, at some point God may ask me to share, you know, your story with people. Is it okay if I do that? And should I leave anything out? Right. And he was very gracious. He said, son, if you think my story will help people, you just tell them whatever you want, you know? Mm. So tell me, in other Beautiful. words, tell them as much as of as, as the story, the truth that you want. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Very, very powerful. Testimony is such a powerful tool. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about yes, all the time, time all right. we have to, for today. Uh, if anyone wants to, to hear more from Deacon Harold, uh, he has presented over his years various different talks on various different topics, and we've made those available on this USB device. At the moment, there's 22 talks on that across the various topics. You can get that by uh, visiting the deaconharold.com store page or the perusiamedia.com store page, depending where you are around the world, and you can get your hands on one of those. It's audio talks you can plug in and play, ready to go. And there's also on that device, there's, I, think, I think there's about 10 or 12 gig of free space after the talks. We intentionally gave you a device that you didn't only have the content, but it was something practical that you can then go and, and store your files. So something that you would regularly be using in addition to this fantastic content that's on there. So it's something that you can put on your keyring. This is actually, I'll actually show you this one. It's actually designed to, to be a keyring. You can just put it on your keys. It's something you can take with you and use. Whilst having all this wonderful information there at your fingertips. So, I very highly encourage you to, to get one of those. And also, while you're at both of those websites, look up all the, the resources from Deacon Harold. There's a, there's a wealth of information out there. And if you wanted to keep track of where Deacon's speaking, any of his upcoming events, or all other things in Deacon Harold world, you go to deaconharold.com to find all that information. And if you also you wanted to see what we're doing at Perusia, visit perusiamedia.com to keep up to date. You can even click on the link to be added to our mailing list. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you once again, Deacon Harold, for your for your time, for your wisdom, and for your testimony.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you all for listening. This has been Speaking with Deacon. We look forward to having you listen to us on the, the next edition. God bless you.